Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon. The Nepalese Meditation Bowl is chiming, and that means it's time for The Art of the CEO, the show for people who enjoy the challenge of business and who want to do it a little better. I'm your host, Bart Jackson, the Hieronymus Bosch of business, and every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, The Art of the CEO streams magically through the mightily misunderstood realms of cyberspace, where you may listen and download it by visiting blogatalkradio.com slash theartoftheceo. That's blogtalkradio.com slash theartoftheceo. And we invite everyone to visit the site and visit us and explore for your benefit. And today's episode is entitled, Get Off Your Plateau, Some Mid-Market Solutions. And by the great good fortune of the beneficent gods of the radio waves who have blessed us mightily with uh, our guest today, Mr. Ram V. Iyer. An international expert on mid-market business, a man of great experience. So, Ram, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Bart. Many thanks. Oh, I'm so, well, we're so glad that you could come on the show. Ram, I was wondering if you could tease us into today's show a little bit with a, just a few sentences. Could you tell us why there's so much business action centered around the, the middle market size firm? What, what makes them so interesting? See, it's uh, it's actually a, one of those ahas that I had in going through the census figures. Um, uh huh. There are 26 million businesses in America. Only mm-hmm. six million of them have employees. There are fewer oh. than two. Yeah, because you know a lot of people. Uh, it's yeah. you know Bart Jackson uh, LLC, Ram Iyer LLC, and as soon right. as I get a job, I you know, shutter it and uh, go work for the big company. Because that's how we ah, traditionally right, right, think. right. I see. Mm-hmm. So, okay. so the ones that have employees are the ones I think that count as businesses, because otherwise, sure. you're just making money for yourself, and that is it. You're not employing anybody. Okay. So, so out of these six million businesses, only two hundred thousand have revenues over ten million. Less ah. than two hundred thousand, and okay. that is what we call the mid-market companies between. 10 million and about 500 million. These companies, even though they are very small, they're only 3.2% of all companies, they account for 31% of the GDP of the U.S. And they provide. Well, there you go. I think yeah. you, I, I think so. So what you're telling is, as always, cream rises to the top. You've got the small group who are, who are putting in 31 percent, and so, ladies and gentlemen, we do want to. Uh, we've got a feast of wisdom in store for us today, and we do really want to hear how Rom can can help this very very vital group and all of us out there individually. And so, whether you're an exotic orchid importer and grower with who's founding clubs to blossom her business like Susan, or perhaps you're a, an old veteran of the New York Stock Exchange trading floor who's weathered all the changes like Kevin. We are here to bring you sage counsel from business masters to aid your career and your ventures. But before Ram and I begin hoisting everybody off their own assets and uh, onto a, another uh, growth plateau, let's let's take a moment out there to supply you with a a few utensils for today's Feast of Wisdom. So first, as I always do, allow me to remind each of you hearing my voice that the good Lord has gifted you with the title and privileges of 
chief executive officer of yourself. Now, that's the most important position you'll ever hold in your career. So if I may, allow me to ask, will this be the day that you uncover your own indignation? I mean, when you see an ill treatment, a piece of writing, or a speech that's hurtful to others, are you, will you respond with a declaration, even if only to yourself, that this is wrong? Or will you simply shrug and let your beliefs take a back seat? The choice is truly yours, my friends. And now as a second utensil, I think it's time to dip into a little laughter and take a scriptural recitation from the 101 Best Business Quips book. So let me pull it out here to measure. Oh, oh okay, here's one. Here's, one. here's 43. To measure the true value of a man to his company, cut in half his own estimated contribution and double the contribution estimated by those he supervises. <laughs> and as a bit of an afterthought, you know, we all tend to cherry-pick our finest achievements and hold them up as the norm of our workday. Meanwhile, as an assessment from those who labor under us, well, suffice it to say, no man is a hero to his valet. Just a thought. Now, as a third utensil, and perhaps we should call today's utensil the mid-meal knife, right now we're going to give you the answers of last week's business quotation. And today, before we leave the air, we'll broadcast another quotation, and we invite you to email us the name of the author, as you believe him or her to be. Simply write down that name and mail it to info at bartsbooks.com. Info, I-N-F-O, at B-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-K-S dot com. And if you are correct, we will send you a marvelous gifts freshly disemboweled from the dungeons of Bart's Books Bookstore. So, the author of last week's quote, that is the individual who said, If I had to do it all over again, I'd make the same mistakes, only sooner. Those words were spoken by the flamboyantly living star of the silver screen who ate up life with a spoon, Miss Tallulah Bankhead. Now, let us dig into today's Feast of Wisdom, and with all our utensils at hand, let's turn to the expertise of Ram V. Iyer. Ram, could you begin by getting us on the right track and, and uh, telling us a little about yourself? Now, I know that by way of introduction, as I understand it, you grew up and took your initial studies and work in India, which at that time experienced an 8.5% growth rate. Then you moved to the U.S., and now we are experiencing a, a great economic expansion while India slowed down a bit in your absence. Is that right? <laughs> it's quite the opposite. <laughs> oh. in, in India, India is booming now. India is at about 8 or 8.5% right now. Yeah, and, yeah and, they're, uh, they're doing very well. And, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, you you uh, now you are a, you originally you're an engineer. You've got a robotics background, and then you went to MIT, and uh, everyone I'm sure had your life planned out for you. But wham, you end up on the business side. You're launching firms. Uh, you're focusing on the mid market. I mean, I thought MIT people were just techies who worked for entrepreneurs from Harvard and Yale. Uh, what happened to you? <laughs> Actually, one little known fact about MIT is uh -huh. that. MIT graduates have started companies with revenues of over $1 trillion with a T. Oh, a, I stand corrected, sir. Allow me to find yeah. Wow. There are lots of, you know, Lotus, you know, Lotus Notes. That was an MIT right. company. Uh -huh. uh, EMC yeah. is an MIT company. Bose is an uh -huh. MIT company. There are several companies that have uh, spewed out of there. Uh, you know, well, the Koch I, brothers... Uh, mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Charles Koch well, is an MIT alum, and David Koch is an MIT alum. So MIT uh-huh. has a rich history of entrepreneurship, not okay. necessarily people who are high up in corporate America. That's ah, I see. Yeah, what are they? these are they're, so they they're gentlemen who and ladies who think for themselves. And uh, but when it comes to perhaps sometimes working with others, they're probably about as good as the MIT football team. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> that was a terrible thing to say. Terrible. I, 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 let me get out. Let me pull myself out of here, Rom. You sort of did before, but g- g- give us a, a good working definition again of a mid-market company, its size and uh, number of employees. I know you said the revenue was. Uh, uh, what was it? Five, uh, five to five. Uh, I'm sorry, ten, ten million to, to about five hundred okay. million. Um, okay. Is there a number of employees that you include in that or not? No, it's it's uh, rather difficult to do that. See, the the, the definition of mid market. See, even the term mid market was not coined yeah. by was not coined by the mid sized companies themselves. It was a no, term no. coined by the vendors and bankers. And companies, the SBA has another one. So, they, no. they have another one because they're a bunch of bureaucrats. So everybody else is defining a <laughs> mid-market company. Uh, but the mid-market You know, the, the, there's another prejudice right there from the very the, the forgotten middle. The mid-market people can't even define themselves. They're not even allowed to define themselves. Well, we will do with this then. Could you give us a profile of the, the, the middle-market business leader? I mean, some of the daily challenges that, that she uh, might face that, the, say, the entrepreneur or the larger corporate head are not facing. Well, see, uh, there are actually – many people think there is one mid-market. There is no monolithic mm. mid-market. There are actually, right, right. if you will, many mid-markets. You know, high-tech, mm. for example, is very different from services, is different from manufacturing. High-tech CEOs are very tech-savvy. They're active on social uh-huh. media and very progressive. Yeah. If in manufacturing and you're focused on B2B, uh, they are more mm-hmm. traditional. They avoid social media. But yeah, one thing yeah. that's common across these is that most mid-sized companies are privately owned, and more than half of them are family-owned. Okay? Ah, okay. Oh, yeah, very large number of family-owned. So, so if you had to kind of – it's hard to generalize, but if I were to generalize, uh, the mm-hmm. mid-sized company is typically headed up by a strong entrepreneurial leader, very mm-hmm. pl- mm-hmm. proud of his or her accomplishments, and justifiably so. You know, right, because right. They took something. They, 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 they're, they're what I call the grown-up startups. They started the <laughs> company, and they knew how to build it up into a viable business. And now they have 20, 50, 100, 200, $400 million in business. Mm-hmm. They I are see. surrounded by a bunch of loyalists who help them to grow the company. They right. tend to rely on a small group of people for guidance, often their loyalists, their friend, or colleagues, uh, their friends, they rely a lot on their accountants or their lawyers. Mm-hmm. However, well, you know, most of you them... Just said, are, you said something, and I'm going to jump yeah. ahead. We had some, I had a, a, a few thoughts, but you, you ticked a word right there, loyalist. Now, I have heard of Bill Crowd, he's an excellent consultant uh, for CEOs and business leaders of, of all sizes, but mostly mid and, and, and larger. Uh, he's saying, he told me that... that one of the biggest changes that so many mid-market people have to make is they have to, when, when they move uh, and, and try to grow, is that they have to shift from a what you call a, a loyalist staff, the, this, these people who have grown up, who have taken it from a startup, 
and they have to shift to a more professional staff. Um, and this, they find this very hard to do. First of all, do you agree with that? And secondly, if if it is true, how, how, do, you, how do you handle it? Well, see, I, I absolutely agree with it. It goes back to the old adage, what got mm-hmm. you here will not get you there. You know? <laughs> right, right. You, yeah. you say that so succinctly compared to me. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> see, your people, your processes, and your systems have limits. <laughs> That's true, universally true. Once right. They reach their limits, your company hits a plateau. You right. constantly need people who can get you to the next level, people who mm. have been there, done that. Okay? Mm-hmm. An analogy that comes to my mind is the difference between an airplane and a rocket. You right. can take an airplane and you can fly high, and you can fly 10,000, 20, 30, 35, 39,000. Somewhere around there right. is the limit. If you mm-hmm. try to keep going higher, and you want to break out of the Earth's atmosphere, the plane won't get you there. Even if you have good intentions, you will stall, and you will fall to the Earth. At that point, what you need to escape the gravitational pull of the Earth are big rockets. Mm -hmm. One Mm -hmm. set of powerful rockets are enough to break you into outer space. So so growing Mm -hmm. up, growing a company is very similar. You need a different set of systems, processes, and people if you want to get to the next level. I, may I continue that and play with that analogy for yeah. the feeling? Because I, I think many of the the mid-market businesses that I've, I've worked with say, well, but everyone loves our plane. Everyone is happy in there. Everyone buys it. And what you're saying is, if you'll allow me to play with the analogy, is that people love the cabin. There's nothing wrong with putting rocket boosters to the same cabin. You don't have to change products. You don't have to to go from from selling books to selling bolts and nuts. Uh, right or wrong? Correct. See, you, you made one important distinction there. See, mm-hmm. you, you cannot uh, make decisions on on a high growth trajectory by playing <laughs> to the peanut gallery. Right. Okay? Right. If you want to look up, you need to go talk to the experts who know how to, like in our example, how to uh, escape the Earth's gravitational pull. Yeah, and yeah, they're not okay. the same people who are sitting in the cabin uh, eating peanuts and, uh, you know, <laughs> doing whatever, right? Right, So, so right. you okay. need to learn, you know, you need to listen to different people. Okay, I think, ladies and gentlemen, I uh, this uh has is is what I will call a quill pen moment. Ram has just spoken a timeless truth of business, so I'd like you all to take your quill pens. I'd like you to dip them in the inkwell and scroll down that as if you expect to grow, you've got to listen to different and new people. You can keep the old advice, but you're going to have to find new people if you want to take new directions. Ram, thank you for for bringing that up. Um I, I wanted to. I know that uh, the, a mutual friend of ours, Aldana Ambler, uh, she's a, a like you, is a great mid-market advocate and mentor. Uh, she's fond of saying that every f- mid-sized firm has a plateau chasing it. We've ex- we've talked about part of that is the staffing and bringing new people, but um, why do you think uh, that? What are some of the other reasons, perhaps, or something else that tends to have this stasis dogging the mid-market firm? Do they get comfortable? What's the deal? 
No, see, they, they actually hit their limits. It kind of goes back to the analogy I talked about earlier. I'll tell right, you a little right. bit differently. So you can take a startup and get it up to a mid-sized company with the same staff, same processes, same systems. But you cannot take a small mid-sized company and make it a much bigger mid-sized company or a large company with the same processes, people, and systems. The larger okay. the company, the more systematized things need to be. You need a different set of skills. Right? Okay. And the people you hire need those skills, yeah. and everyone needs adaptability. Okay. Correct. For example, for example mm-hmm. in a large company, let's say in a, in a, in a small company, uh, there's a, an employee called John. And typically, right. if John gets hit by a truck, the company mm-hmm. could come to a grinding halt because yeah, in, yeah. in the small and mid-sized companies, people get things done. And I've all, often asked right. people, so what is your closing process for closing your books? And you know the, the answer I get very often? Joan well, does it or John does it. Yes, yeah. If you get a proper noun, you're in trouble. <laughs> you're in trouble. But if you go to a large company and let's yeah. say John gets sick or John doesn't come in for six right. months or somebody goes mm-hmm. on maternity leave, does the company come to a grinding halt? J.P. Morgan shut down? No, mm-hmm. because oh. somebody else will step in and take their place because they already have processes and systems in place. And that person knows who it is. He knows who that he is supposed to step in. So right. okay. to answer your question, if a mid-sized company lacks systems and processes, it lacks the ability to scale. And therefore, it hits the plateau. I see. Oh, boy. Second thing, that is, second thing is fixed costs and variable costs. In financial terms, every industry has a certain zone, whether it be size or revenues, number of people, number of customers. Uh, When they get to that point, whatever they had can get them past. So it's what's called as no man's land. There's a a book by a guy called Doug Tatum who wrote this. Mm -hmm. You're fine if you're smaller than the size in no man's land. Uh, You're also fine if you get to the other side of no man's land. But if you're in no man's Uh land, you are very likely to die. Uh Very important. Uh If you get stuck in no man's land, you will die. So if you're in no man's land, you hit a plateau. One of the best options is to retrench and become a smaller company again or grow capital and grow out of no man's land and become a big company. But you and may I add that what no you really land. want to do in that case is you, have to, you, the leader, really have to decide where you want most to be in those choices. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Art of the CEO radio show streaming live from blogtalkradio.com. And we have come smack up against the midpoint of today's feast. So uh, if we will, I think it's time to take a brief sorbet. And it's time for me to introduce to you the company by whose good graces we are here today. And that firm is Prometheus Publishing, the creator of, among several other divisions, Bart's Books Ultimate Business Guides. Now you may visit Bart's Books Ultimate Business Guides at bartsbooks.com. That's B-A-R-T-S, B-O-O-K-S.com. And explore some a wide wealth of really practical wisdom from many, many business masters. And this very day, Prometheus Publishing would like to invite you to take a look at one of its books, which has helped many great women in their careers. It's called Behind Every Successful Woman is herself. And this is a great little gem of a guide that uh, embraces the thoughts of uh, a whole 
series of leading businesswomen, and it provides the techniques and the disciplines and the all-important attitudes for those ladies who want their career and their ventures to soar meteorically. It's an ideal gift for a graduate, and I always like one of the best uh, tributes ever given this book was an R&D professional from a major firm and who came in, looked at the title, thumbed through it, and said, boy, have I needed this book for a long time. So, so there you go. Um, and uh, finally, if you like today's quip, we invite you to visit bartsbooks.com, click on the little blue mailbox, and through the magic of cyberspace, every week a brand new quip and an afterthought will come winging its way into your email box, and don't we all deserve a little laughter? So now... Ladies and gentlemen, let us and all those folks who are striving out there to make this year the best year, let us get back to uh, Rom Iver and all uh, of the mid-market ideas that he is going to be sharing with us. Now, I was wondering, Rom, if there's someone that you could uh, you you've given us some good examples and good techniques to do. Could you do you have any example of anyone who's really doing it right? Is there someone out there? Who has reshaped their uh, reshaped the team and, and brought it forward? What see? Do you have some CEOs who are, who are, who are good models for us out there? Yeah, I've uh, yeah. There are there are quite a few. Uh, the the ones that are uh, doing well, they are growing and thriving. Thriving is they're actually mm-hmm. making yeah. money. They're profitable. Are ones that have a clear vision for the company. They have clear goals and objectives, and most importantly, they have a strategy of for how they will accomplish their goals. And, ah, okay. Okay, and, and here's another very important thing I find. The okay. ones that are doing well are ones who are focused on working on the company as rather than in the company. Ah, okay. They so work on the company rather than in the company because if you're a leader... Elaborate on that. And if, uh, yeah, if you're a leader and you're the one uh, running copies, Right? <laughs> that can be easily handed off to somebody who's getting paid 10 or 15 bucks an hour. Yeah, While yeah, yeah. you're making copies, nobody else is doing your job because that's your day job. Okay? And so, you're, so, so if you don't have your priorities straight, you're focused on the wrong thing, and you're not doing your day job, you're shortchanging yourself personally as well as the company. So, so I have one company that I remember that I know that uh, is very focused. Uh, on uh, working on the company. They have people in key spots. Uh, they do their job, and they're going to double in the next three years. No kidding. Through acquisition. Through acquisition. Oh, okay. okay. So inorganic growth, right? Inorganic growth. But in order to do that, uh, they have gone and they have formed a board of advisors of people uh-huh. who have been there, done what they are trying to do. So, so in other words, if you want to do... <laughs> growth through acquisition, uh, you need right. people who are experienced at fa- providing a face to the bank, uh, raising the capital required, uh, integrating companies that you acquire, make them profitable quickly, right, and, oh, and yeah. grow it as one company. Uh, those are not skills that are resident in most uh, small, mid-sized companies. So these people went out and got those kinds of skills, and that's what's helping them to grow. Oh, I think you're so right. You know, a uh, uh a good friend of mine, he is one of the top uh, M&A lawyers, Ray Felton, always says, who has 
seen through and piloted through literally hundreds of uh, most of the mid-market size firms, uh, em- uh, mergers and acquisitions. And he says, you know how really you can be really very very good at what you are, but uh, you probably don't know anything about buying or selling a company unless you've done it. You don't you don't know what your company's worth on the marketplace. You know that you dearly cling it to your chest and go to sleep with it under your pillow every night, but that's that's not value to someone else. And uh, I think it, that. You're right. This, again, goes back to the point you made earlier, that you've got to gather the right people, talk to new and different people. And if you're going to grow inorganically, then you need specialists in that field. You're The lawyer who handles the rest of your work uh, is not going to be the one who should be handling your M&A and so forth. So I, th- I think you're right on that. Now, while we still have some time, I want to talk a little bit uh, about all the, all of the things that you are doing to help mid-market firms, you have the Mid-Market Institute, which you founded, and you have what I always think of as the old ICEO club, but now it's it's the Business Thinking Club. Have I got that right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. well, tell us about that. Tell us what, you, what are you doing with that? See, the Business Thinking Club, you know, that, that it basically meets the needs of... I love of that title. <laughs> yeah. No, no, see, I uh, I, I've owned the domain businessthinking.com for five or more years. Oh, but okay. I never okay. did anything with it. And then suddenly it hit me that that was a better platform to leverage than ICEO Club. So, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So we basically you know, address the needs of four constituents. One is executives at Fortune 1000 companies. So, for example, New Jersey is a suburb, if you will, of New York City. Right. Yes. Um, right. How often do you get to hear big name speakers? So, for example, we are getting the head of McKinsey to come and speak in New Jersey. Okay. Mm-hmm. They always right. come. They, right. uh, you know, Gary speaks in in uh, in Manhattan all the time, but mm-hmm. he doesn't come and speak in New Jersey. Uh, so I said, "Can you come and speak in Jersey?" He said, "Absolutely." Okay. <laughs> so that is a treat for Fortune. Ladies and gentlemen, executives. I would like you to know that there is a lot more charm behind this man than. Than, than, than he is letting on. So uh, not very many people could do what, what Ram just said he did. But go, do go on. <laughs> See, so, so for a Fortune 1000 director or VP or EVP, you know, uh, they can't uh, just go into Manhattan for a one-hour talk, and it'll take them two hours to yeah. get in, two hours to come out, and there goes three-quarters of the day. Yeah, yeah. Similarly, if you're a CEO of a mid-sized company, you don't get to hear high-profile speakers, you know, like the head of McKinsey in our case. But mm-hmm. remember, most mid-sized companies also want to sell to the Fortune 1000. But who yes, helps them yes. to network with the Fortune 1000? Mm-hmm. So I said, let's mm-hmm. put the two of them together in one room. The uh-huh. Fortune 1000 executives want to meet these CEOs because, you know, they're achievers like themselves because many yeah. of them are yeah. divisional heads with annual uh-huh. revenues of 50 to 100 to 500 million. So right, both right. groups get together in one room. And then what both of these guys want to meet, both of these guys want to meet are local politicians, you know, government leaders, industry leaders, academics. They want to meet them. And it's mutually beneficial. You know, even these uh, academics and government leaders, they are developing policy and studying companies. They don't get to meet these CEOs easily. So I said, put them together in one room. 
I think it's a great idea. And you also brought up another point that I thought is, is I've always viewed my definition of a mid-market company as one that's too small to get government entrepreneurial age and too large to win a government – I'm sorry, too large to get government uh, entrepreneurial aid and too small to get uh, a government contract. So they need some advocating with with a political scene, it certainly seems to me. (laughs) Absolutely true. In fact, along those lines, I heard – I think it was uh, Doug Tatum who wrote uh, No Man's Land who said a mid-sized company is too big to be small and too Uh small to be big. (laughs) Well, Ram, I think you are the man to help them all, and you have done a – you've enlightened me and all of us out there, I I know. And I'm just wondering – before before we sign off, uh, could you tell our listeners out there, um, how can they get in touch with you, with the Mid-Market Institute, and uh, with your team, and, and how could they uh, find out more about you? See, see, we are available on the web 24-7 at uh, www.midmarketoneword.org, mm-hmm. and I'm okay. reachable by email at info at midmarket.org or by phone. 609, and we are in lovely Princeton, New Jersey, 609-275-6300. So if one of your listeners thinks that he or she can benefit from our work or by partnering with us, uh, we welcome uh, uh, them reaching out to us. That's wonderful, and I think I'm, I know I know several people who listen to the show, and I, I'm sure that you folks out there, uh, many of you out there are among them, that would really benefit from getting together uh with Ram, with the with the Mid Market Institute and uh, the Business Thinking Club, I, I think that's just a marvelous idea. So uh, again, I thank you very much for coming on. Obviously, we're going to have to have you back on, Ram. We have bar- I feel like we've barely just gotten started. You you've got so much more to tell us. But thank you so much for coming on the show. <laughs> Many thanks for the opportunity, Bart, uh, and for this uh, engaging discussion. Okay, I thank you. So, so folks, as we round out today's show, allow me to leave you with today's business quotation. Who is it who said, incrementalism is innovation's own worst enemy? And as a hint, this Greek architect ran the media lab at the same school as today's esteemed guests. So, And remember, if you know that author, just send his name to info at bartsbooks.com to win an absolutely life-changing, amazing gift from the dungeons of Bart's Books Bookstore. And finally, (laughs) (laughs) yes, one never knows. And uh, finally, as a parting shot, in the words of my wife's husband, the best patch kit for a blundered word spoken in haste is an unexpected act of kindness. To all you faithful and playful listeners, I hope you've enjoyed the Art of the CEO show as much as uh, Ram and I have enjoyed bringing it to you. And remember, you may download this and all our shows at blogtalkradio.com slash theartoftheceo. And next week, you you really have to turn in to Blog Talk Radio, The Art of the CEO. You're going to catch our guest, Lisa Pegger, voted one of the six top performers of her generation. She is the world's most innovative percussive pioneer. She's entertaining. She plays with all the major symphonies. She started a band called Control Chaos and is catapulting uh, her self-made business and innovated art into the absolute heights of performance. Do not miss this one. So, ladies and gentlemen, 
as always, it has been a privilege. I thank you.